Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Um, and hello to those of you uh, watching online or even listening on podcast. I think that sometimes people have got to listen to my voice as they drive to work in the car or sit on the train or maybe they're jogging. So uh, let me know how it goes. I've heard some remarkable stories um, this week, just amazing examples of just what God can do in the lives of individuals, uh, stories of deep life change. And uh, Simone's story is, uh, I guess, an example of that in some ways. Uh, To hear a story this week of surprising reconciliation of people who had been together, then they were not together, and they're back together again, and they've bumped into Jesus, and it's impacted and changed uh, so much of what they're doing at the moment. Hearing stories of people who are persevering courageously, uh, even though it's tough, Uh, a day at a time, of people checking Jesus out in all sorts of ways. Uh, We had 11,000 people come into this building uh, over the three weeks of pre-polling, and some of their stories, uh, some of those that have turned up since, checking us out in different ways, wondering why we're here, um, picking up literature, asking questions, how good is that? Lance had a couple uh, stories for us this morning. I wonder what your story is, uh, even in this last week. But they're not all Good stories, they're not all easy stories, they're not all remarkable stories in a breakthrough and, uh, and hope uh, right now, necessarily, are they? I've heard some very desperate uh, stories too this week. People barely hanging on. Uh, people uh, that have actually stopped, I think, believing sometimes that change can uh, come. Uh, some people maybe aren't so desperate but they're serious stories. I had somebody ring me up just a couple of days ago, said, Danny, can I meet you down at the church? Can you pray with me? I've got um, some really tough business uh, workplace issues. I just need you to, to stand with me and, and pray through uh, with me in that. This morning, I want to talk about deep change, deep change. Whether things are going well with you or not, whether you've got a good story this week or a tough story, Uh, Deep change is so relevant for all of us, and uh, it's available. And I want to talk with you about how to achieve that, uh, what God's Word says about that, what you can hang on to, and to encourage you and to challenge myself that we can keep achieving and seeing deep change in our own lives and the lives of those around us. Enduring change, change on the inside that moves to the outside of our lives, that releases power that releases life into our relationships, into our circumstances, that means the week that lies ahead and the year that is still uh, before us, that things, you know, don't have to just feel, look as they do at the moment. There is an always dependable bottom line in what God offers uh, for us. Now, we're doing this wonderful series called Life Giving Relationships. It's based on the fourth book in our New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're in John. We're up to John chapter three today. So if you've got your Bible with you or you've got a device of various sizes and kinds, uh, open up your Bible app. Um, John chapter three is one of the most famous chapters in the whole Bible. And uh, there's a reason for that. And we're going to look at two sections of it. Uh, First of all, from verse one down to verse eight. So John chapter three, verse one to eight. It should be on the screen too. There was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, 
We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised, says Jesus, at my saying that you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Nicodemus, Nicodemus stepped out of his bubble uh, bravely, uh, initially, uh, on his own, uh, took the initiative and he reached out to Jesus. It was early days in the ministry of Jesus, but Nicodemus knew that Jesus was around and Jesus was already uh, messing with Nicodemus' head. Uh, Jesus had done some things. Jesus had said some things. Nicodemus had questions. And Nicodemus decides that he's going to ask his questions. Uh, good on him. <laughs> Sometimes that's a hard thing to do, isn't it? to uh, verbalise, to articulate the things that are going around in our mind, to be brave enough to uh, reach out to someone else, to even talk to God about that, uh, to verbalise it. Well, he did this at night, uh, maybe because he was a little fearful of what others would think, uh, maybe not, maybe because he just wanted some unhurried time with Jesus where he could uh, process uh, a little differently, up close, uh, go deeper, Get his questions answered. Uh, go backwards and forwards with how Jesus would respond to that. We all need to do that. I wonder when the last time was that uh, you and Jesus spent a little bit of time uh, interacting about things in a less hurried way. What's so encouraging is the fact that this is just the first of the three times we read about Nicodemus. Here he is in chapter three, uh, but things keep changing. He addresses Jesus here as rabbi, which means teacher, but Jesus was going to become so much more than a teacher uh, for Nicodemus as we go through this book of our Bible. As you get to chapter 7, you might like to flip over to chapter 7. Towards the end of chapter 7, you'll see that Nicodemus just pops up again. Just for a few verses, um, Jesus has been saying some things, confronting people in various ways. Uh, Nicodemus' peer group, the other Pharisees, the other rulers are not happy about this. They're uh, starting to say all sorts of things in very clear and strong terms. Nicodemus uh, is prepared in chapter seven to sort of stand on his own feet, uh, step out from his peers and actually challenge them. Even though they're not prepared to acknowledge uh, what Jesus is saying, what uh, Jesus is offering them, they are not prepared to accept in any way. Nicodemus challenges his peers, the people he lives with, the people he works with, the people that he knows well to give Jesus a go. Brave thing to do. And then you get to chapter 19, almost at the end of the book of John, and here's Nicodemus again. Do you remember uh, how Nicodemus is a part of the crucifixion uh, burial story, the Easter story? One of two people with Joseph of Arimathea, one of two people, Nicodemus is one of them, prepared to put his life on the line and go ask permission 
to remove the body of Jesus from the cross and bury it in the tomb. And we read there in chapter 19 that he also invested his wealth in a huge quantity of spices to be a part of that burial. Uh, The footnote in my Bible says that there were 34 kilograms of spices that Nicodemus uh, provided. Wow. Um, Something's changed. Uh, Deep change has taken place. Nicodemus goes from being sort of a bit of a private uh, inquirer to being very public about his faith. He goes from being a spectator to being a participant, even a central uh, participant in the story. He goes from just talking about things and wondering to actually uh, walking the talk. He goes from seeing it as a religious uh, issue to one of relationship with someone who has changed his life. But back here in chapter three, Nicodemus and Jesus have this profound conversation about what makes all this happen. Where does all this come from? Uh, Why do things change? If you look in chapter three, you'll see three times in verse three and verse five and verse seven, uh, the requirement that Jesus so clearly states that all of us, Nicodemus too, needs to be born again or born from above, it gets translated sometimes, even born of water and spirit. So what's all this about? Um, The reference to being born of water and spirit reminds us of the the second verse in our Bible, Genesis chapter one, the very beginning of the Bible and verse two, water and spirit are there. Uh, The spirit hovered over the waters uh, in that creation story, mentioned together for the first time, underlining the fact as Jesus is trying to say here that the natural and the supernatural are both involved Maybe that's part of what's getting acknowledged here. Certainly, uh, there's the communication of water uh, saying something about the the cleaning up that needs to occur uh, and how that gets combined with the power of God, God's spirit, God himself. Uh, Probably a reference to baptism, uh, a la Simone. Uh, We would love to see more baptisms here. Uh, Many of us have the opportunity to be baptised, to declare that yes, Uh, The change has taken place. Let me encourage you to um, talk to your group leader, talk to someone, talk to us about that. And then because the Greek word for spirit is uh, all tied up with the Greek word for wind, they're very similar, the same word can be translated as spirit and wind. When you get to verse seven in John chapter three, Jesus uses this idea to talk about how God comes and moves remarkably, mysteriously, Uh, comes into our lives, goes through our lives. The the invisible becomes visible. Being born again, water and spirit. So this is no superficial change. This is something uh, very deep, very real. Uh, It's not that you can just pick the bits that suit you. This is deep, radical, root and branch, uh, total impacts everything, all or nothing, revolutionary, Holy Spirit empowered. It can't happen in any other way. Inside out change that goes to every nook and cranny and impacts every part of our lives. And it releases a life-giving relationship that takes us to a whole new place. And in verse five of John chapter three, it says that this enables us to even enter, to enter the kingdom of God, to, to get there, to be a part of it, and uh, to see a wonderful journey begin. It makes possible 
what's not possible in any other way. It makes possible what we are created for. It makes possible for us to enjoy, even in the midst of desperate challenges, a reality of life and of purpose and of trust and of hope that Jesus in John chapter 10 talks about as living life uh, to all its fullness um, in every way, in ways that you and I probably still can't fully imagine because the deep change within us, even as we follow him and as we enter his kingdom, is something that keeps on going and it goes further and it reveals itself in ways that we don't even know are coming sometimes. Last week, I walked past an old camper van uh, I'd like to own a camper van one day. I got chatting to the bloke that was out there with it, and he'd recently bought it, he told me. He told me about his plans to make the old camper van that he'd just bought for a few thousand dollars like new. Uh, I could see the new engine uh, sitting there alongside it. Uh, he had the ability to put the engine in the camper van. I can't do that. Um, and it was all ready to be installed. He told me it was going to get a new gearbox as well and all sorts of other parts of the camper van were gonna be replaced, including a fair bit of rust. This fellow was not just gonna give it a grease and oil change, he was going to see this camper van transformed. There was gonna be deep change on the inside. And it doesn't matter uh, what needed to be dealt with, he was gonna do it. He was gonna make things right. Now, Nicodemus is being told by Jesus a similar thing. And not surprisingly, Nicodemus is sort of taken aback by this. Jesus is telling him that a deep change is required. He's using terms that sort of mess with Nicodemus's head. And Nicodemus says in verse 9, how can this be? I mean, Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Uh, he was pretty good at keeping the rules. He knew what the rules were. He thought he was doing all right. He thought he was good enough. Uh, I don't know about you, there's probably a bit of Pharisee in most of us. <laughs> How does Jesus answer him? Well, Jesus challenges his assumptions and his belief system and his worldview. So how can you and I, like Nicodemus, uh, realise the deep change, the deep change that God uh, asks us to undergo that God makes possible, that God offers us. Well, we need to read a bit more in John chapter 3. Let's go down to verse 14 to 18 and see what Jesus says to try and help Nicodemus understand what this deep change uh, requires. Verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him or her. For God so loved, so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Uh, the followers of Jesus get a bad press, don't we? We are so often um, accused of being condemning, of being judgmental. <clears throat> God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. They don't need us to do it because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. 
Uh, do you see it five times in those five verses, the uh, connection with how the deep change uh, comes about? Uh, Jesus says this kind of deep change, this radical inside-out revolutionary, no other way change that must happen for us to really enjoy life and know what we've been fully created to be a part of comes from believing, believing. Uh, that's the idea, that's the word. What does it mean to believe? Uh, how do we experience deep change? It means we have to believe deeply as well. We have to accept, we have to trust. We have to put our faith not in ourselves or in other people or other stuff, but ultimately in Jesus as God himself who came amongst us, who loved us so much that he was prepared to uh, be lifted up on a cross for us, uh, even though he didn't deserve it, even though we still have trouble getting our heads around what all of that is about. So that we have this amazing uh, transaction, this picture, this reality of being released individually from anything that would hold us back in any way, no matter how difficult or deep it might be. To such a degree that we have a belief, we have a settled conviction that Jesus is who he said he was, that the deal is done, that Jesus does hold the answer, that the way forward comes from following him and trusting in him. And it's not about what we know, but it's who we know. Do we know him? Do we just know about Jesus or do we know him? Do we believe in him? Do we follow him? And when our belief goes that deep, when it goes to the very core of who we are, when we realize that there's nothing else that can take its place, things supernaturally by the Spirit of God change on the inside of us. And we are never the same again. Uh, we connect with our Creator, the one who made us. And our life changes, changes uh, in the area that maybe counts most of all. New life, new life is released. We are given life. There is a life-giving relationship that uh, opens up everything else. New things are possible. Feelings change, some of the time at least, don't they? Behaviours change. Choices look different. Relationships change. So let me ask you, what do we believe in? What do you believe in? Who do you put your trust in? What gets you out of bed in the morning? What keeps you going? What are you going to give your time and your energy and your money and your attention and focus to this afternoon and this week? Who else? What else is going to save you, save us uh, from all the stuff that crowds in? Well, I don't know if you know the story in Numbers chapter 21, way back in our Old Testament, that Jesus refers to here in these verses. The story in Numbers 21 of Moses being told by God to make a bronze snake, to hold up a bronze snake on a pole. What's that about? Do you remember the story? The people are wandering in the wilderness. Uh, they've actually just survived a full-on attack by the Canaanites. God has saved them. Uh, the people that were trying to do them in have been dealt with in a remarkable way and the people very quickly, sadly, seem to forget about how God is looking after them and they start grumbling again 
And they grumble against God and they grumble against Moses and they wish they could just go back to where they came from. And God in judgment, in this particular part of the story anyway, Numbers 21, sends snakes amongst them. There you go. And people die. And people, I guess you would hope, reasonably quickly realise that uh, they've sinned against God here and they go to Moses, they Moses, uh, pray to God for us. Uh, we realise that um, we have grumbled against God and we've grumbled against you and we aren't trusting him and we need God to save us. Uh, we have all kinds of different snakes around today, I think, don't we? So what does God tell Moses to do? Well, on this particular occasion, anyway, God says, Moses, make a bronze snake, put it up on a pole and tell the people that as they look up to the snake, um, they will live he will spare them. And that's exactly what happens. And the snakes are dealt with. It's not the snake on the pole that saves them, of course. It's the fact that they did what they were told. They looked up. They recognised that God uh, was the answer for them. Now, the people kept the snake. That bronze snake got kept for a long time as a reminder. Uh, you get over to 2 Kings chapter 18. And King Hezekiah a long time later, has to actually destroy the bronze snake because a group of people are actually now worshipping the snake rather than the God who told them uh, what they needed to do. Sounds familiar. The evil one, Satan, of course, appeared in the Garden of Eden in the form of a lying snake, testing the belief of Adam and Eve. And the scriptures explain how in Jesus, ultimately, uh, all the snakes, all the junk, all the wrong choices uh, were put on him. Jesus took upon himself on the cross all the grumbles about God and others and life and he put it all to death. And Jesus was lifted high for all to see and as we look to him, we can know deep freedom and peace and joy and healing and hope and life. That's what is necessary. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 is that wonderful verse where Paul says to the church at Corinth, if anyone, if anyone, even you and me, if anyone is in Christ, if we believe in Jesus, we are a new creation. Uh, the camper van has been renewed. The old is gone, the new has come. Um, things are no longer the same. We have a new engine. There is a new gearbox that is involved. Or Galatians chapter two, verse 20, Paul says to another church, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith. I live believing in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So clearly God has done his part we need deep change. He's set it all up. He's organised it all for us. But it's up to us to, uh, to do our part. The ball is in our court. We have to take responsibility for our choices. We can't blame anyone else for that, let alone God, uh, or for the consequences that come from uh, the sin all around us. I don't know if you picked up the comment that Bindi Cole Chocker made on the video clip uh, this morning. As an indigenous woman, she's going to be here in a couple of weeks. It's going to be fascinating. 
to uh, just hear her story and to see how her uh, way of communicating uh, will touch us as well. Did you hear what she said about needing to get over the victim identity, the victim mentality of her existence? It's just as true for the rest of us who maybe aren't indigenous to this country. We so quickly play the victim. We feel so hard done by. We have all sorts of excuses and reasons why we can't do this and this can't happen and this isn't going to change and neither are we. The challenge is to be far more impressed with God's love for us and God's reality than anything or anyone that uh, would deny that or come against us. To be far more impressed with God's love in Jesus than anything that life throws at us that we don't understand or maybe stuff that we have chosen to focus on, the things we do give our attention to and we do follow to know that God is far more impressive. So what do we do? What does it mean to believe? How is this deep change going to uh, get things moving and take us to a whole new place? Well, we've got to hand over control. We've got to hand over control. (laughs) We've got to look up. We've got to surrender. We have to get out of the driver's seat. We have to believe in Jesus. It has to move from a, a head knowledge to a heart relationship. We have to go deep with Jesus. We have to believe deeply. And there is no other way, even though lots of people will be um, offering other ways and we can get tempted or dragged into other things or in our superficial approach to life often grab things to try and escape from um, what's overwhelming us. No, deep change, the change that Jesus says we need is only possible as we believe in him. And that means believing in him and not in all the other stuff. A couple of weeks ago, I was sitting at my computer, an update request. Do you know what these update requests are? Pop up on your screen. There was one and it all looked okay to me and I understood it was standard software and I hadn't updated that software for a while, so I clicked on it. And then strange things started happening in my computer. It turned out to be a malware program that had imitated the real thing. And sometimes when these things happen, they just take over your computer. You hear horrible stories of this. Um, Anyway, this time it wasn't too bad, but it was bad enough. I could still use parts of my computer, but I could see that I was in trouble. Uh, The main thing that this malware did was that it hijacked my browser. So if I wanted to Google something, I couldn't do that. It trapped me to another search engine that I'd never heard of before. And it didn't matter how many times I did it, it kept doing that. And then uh, it would throw up other ads. So um, that's what it was all about, wasn't it? Guess what this malware was called? It was called We Know. We Know. Uh, We can think we know best, can't we? (laughs) Somebody wanted me to um, trust their knowing. Well, to solve it, I had to at least have a go, didn't I? So I went into the bowels of my computer, which I don't do very often, and I'm certainly not an expert in. I started changing various settings on my computer, and I I started to um, make things a bit better. I made some progress. But it wasn't enough to get to the bottom of it and to get control back fully for my computer to be free to uh, to live and enjoy what it was created for. I had to consult the manufacturer's instructions. I actually was able still to to go online and to find out 
uh, how other people could help me, even with the manufacturer's instructions, so that I knew what I needed to do. And it took a while, but I found the answer. And after a couple of very frustrating hours, um, I was able to reset the core programming, the engine of my computer. And the thing just went away once all of that was put right again. And I got rid of the snakes. Um, they weren't there anymore. And again, I realised I couldn't do this on my own. I needed help. I knew there were skilled people could help me. And what a relief it was to see it stop controlling my computer. When you feel out of control, uh, it's quite a scary thing. And sometimes in life, uh, maybe this week, that's been you. Um, it's like someone else has taken over. And it doesn't matter which buttons you push. Um, things just seem to uh, go to other places. Now, my computer's been like news since. I'm now even more wary of what pops up. Um, we can get knocked around a lot by all sorts of things, can't we? Um, life is life. Other things can push in. Things can overwhelm us. Things can distract us. Things can divert us. We can even feel suffocated sometimes. Other people, situations, we allow, we make wrong choices. Uh, our vulnerabilities get exploited. We get trapped. We need the deep change, the deep change that will only come as we trust and believe in Jesus. And it gets tested, yes. And he will take us deeper and he will show us how faithful and how good and how complete uh, he is. He's the one that provides. He's the one that only enables us to be reset and to be rebooted and to be refocused. But it all starts with a decision to accept that Jesus is the way forward. But that's not enough. We have to keep on choosing. We have to keep on deciding. I don't know about you, I find it a very daily thing. There are some days where it's almost an hourly choice. It doesn't matter how deep a hole that uh, we may feel we've gotten into sometimes or we've been living in for a while, Jesus is there. Jesus can take care of it. It doesn't matter how old it is. It doesn't matter how long it's been there. It doesn't matter how buried it is. Uh, Jesus brings deep change, opens it up, can turn it around. But it requires us to believe that he is who he says he is, that what he has done uh, does count and does make a difference and that what his word tells us and promises us is still true. So I'm here today to, to encourage you, to challenge you, to challenge myself to accept Jesus' help, to check the instructions, to be prepared to ask for the support and the guidance of others who know Jesus and follow Jesus. And maybe today it would be good for you to talk to someone about that. Uh, we always have people down the front of these services um, just available, without pressure. Um, you don't have to say uh, anything you don't want to, but maybe that's uh, what you could do today. Take a step. Maybe it's sometime during this week you need to connect to somebody that maybe you do catch up with from time to time. Maybe just someone that you haven't talked to for a while. Ask a question. Take a step. Uh, join a group. You need a reason not to have other people around you. Be a part of a group of people that are accountable to each other, that are committed to each other, that will keep traveling together. And then the change will come. And it won't just maybe need to come once, it'll need to keep on coming. And so we all have to keep choosing to do that. I wonder, are you ready to go deeper? Are you ready for deep change? Are you ready for God to refresh the change that maybe in the past 
has been there for you, but you haven't really fully realised the implications of it. But now you need it in different ways. Will you keep choosing? Will you keep believing? Will you keep letting Jesus be the one that you truly can believe in? Join me uh, as we pray together. Well, Father, we've, uh, we've laughed and we've cried together this morning. <clears throat> Simone has reminded us that we need people. She has her people. Lord, we need our people. <laughs> we have you. And even when we feel all on our own and we're not even too sure uh, what to think or what to do about what's going on, Lord, we thank you that we can reach out to you. Lord, help us to be like Nicodemus, to be prepared to... Uh, come to you to give you time, to give you a chance, to let you keep changing us, to grow in confidence, to believe, to keep believing, Lord, to apply our faith and our trust in you to new areas, to let others be a part of that journey, to understand what your word says to us about those things. Lord, would you just Help us know very deeply today, I pray, that you do understand, that you do know, that you are up for it, that the things that sometimes we push to one side or leave on a shelf or have almost forgotten about or we get so used to that we think maybe that's how it is. Lord, help us to believe in you and to see what change you can bring, I pray, in Jesus' name.